Welcome to the Healthy Hustlers podcast, a series of healthy conversations with inspiring hustlers. I'm your host, Madeline Carafa. In this week's Healthy Conversation, I am thrilled to be joined by naturopath, nutritionist, author, and self-proclaimed herb nerd, Reese Carter. With a love for science and evidence-based research, Reese cuts through the noise and mess that often surrounds the world of wellness. Reese's love for healthy cooking and a wholesome life started as a kid growing up on his family farm in WA. With an honest and refreshing approach to healthy living and a bachelor degree in health science under his belt, Reese empowers his dedicated community to make real, sustainable change to their overall well-being. I absolutely love talking about food and wholesome living, so this episode with Reese really brightened my day, and I hope it does exactly the same for you. This episode of The Healthy Hustlers is proudly brought to you by New Life, life-changing coconut products that provide the perfect healthy alternative for those with allergies or who, like me, want to add more plant-based ingredients into their cooking. Hello, Reese, and welcome to the Healthy Hustlers podcast. How are you today? I'm good, Madeline. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. And I'm so, so excited to finally be having this chat. I know it's one we've been trying to lock down for quite some time now, but I'm, yeah, so thrilled to have you on the show. I'm a huge fan of what you're about and all your work. Oh, thank you. I'm so excited that we were able to make it happen. I feel I was trying to work out just before, just before um, kind of I set up the mic and got ready to go. And I was thinking, has it been like two years that we've been (laughs) trying to make this happen? Um, And how crazy that it took us to be in isolation for it to actually happen. Like you would think this would prohibit us recording something like this. And instead it took, you know, until we were kind of confined in our own homes to finally find the opportunity to do it. So... I know, so true. And it has, I think it has been around, yeah, because you were one of the, you know, first people on my list when I first started the show. And I think we had a few times booked in in Sydney and you got busy with other jobs and it was just like, we never made it work. But I remember thinking, okay, during this time, who do I really want to make get on, like work on this show? And you were on my list. So I'm so glad that we've managed to do it. It's really funny actually that you say that because I was really, I've always done my interviews in person. And so when all of this happened, I had, I think about 10 or so interviews locked in in person. And I was so, I guess a little bit scared to kind of move to the online platform. It was something that I'd never done. And it's something that I was, not that I was against, I just, I think I'd always prioritized creating really high-end content. And so I was like, oh no, like all of this work and now I have to go to online. It's actually totally working in my favor. And to be honest, like we're just so lucky with technology these days. A lot of the episodes you can't even really tell. So it's working in my favor. So I'm very grateful. (laughs) How good is like times like this, all of a sudden technology, we I've been reminded how lucky we are to have the technology we do, even kind of being in lockdown and being isolated from loved ones as well, just kind of having Zoom, having all these other opportunities to connect. Yes, it's perhaps not the same as sitting down with them in person. Absolutely not. But I feel like those feelings of separation and isolation would have been amplified so much more if this had happened before we kind of had all these options at our fingertips. So, Absolutely. Could not agree more. We're very lucky to, yeah, have it all. But um, how are you going at the moment anyway with all of the isolation and 
craziness around coronavirus? I'm good. And I think like everyone, I had to scramble a little bit to find new ways to live and to to kind of maintain my mental health and maintain a sense of purpose and routine throughout the process. I know that last week here in New South Wales, at least the restrictions beginning to ease and allowing us the opportunity to reconnect with small groups of friends has been a game changer for me. I, Even though I'm a diehard introvert and I choose to spend a lot of my time at home or with my dog, uh, I think I really, really missed those opportunities to connect with friends and I'm sure I'm not alone there. Um, So, yeah, so that's been a real turning point, I think, for me as well, just being able to have those small gatherings again has kind of, yeah, really helped. Absolutely. That human connection, it's so important, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, and I think it's making, you know, we're the same um, in Victoria. Last weekend was the first time that we kind of were allowed to gather in groups of 10 in public spaces. And I think, you know, seeing my friends and what I realised was just how wholesome the catch-up was and how, you know, we were all just so grateful to be there and in each other's company and no one was in a rush to go anywhere else. No one was kind of like too stressed or overworked from a huge week of travel and, you know, all the stuff that usually comes with hectic schedules. So it was, it's really beautiful to have those, those connections again and to really be able to cherish the time. Agreed. And they're just so much, we do appreciate them now so much more. I think like I was just a handful of friends got together for a picnic on over the weekend And any other weekend, it might have felt like, yeah, it's nice, but it's just run of the mill, a get together. We were all so grateful and appreciative. And I think we've been reminded how important those relationships and how important that time to connect is. Um, And it made the experience really beautiful, you know, because we hadn't been able to do it for so long. And you could just kind of sense this, yeah, shared appreciation. A friend of mine calls them, he kind of, he came up with this concept that he was using to kind of get through uh isolation he called it like finding your micro joys and throughout the day finding just those tiny little things that maybe we used to take for granted that are actually really really beautiful and kind of focusing on those and being grateful for those so this was certainly one of one of those moments oh i love that so much it's cute isn't it isn't it oh it's amazing <laughs> and i think it, that's just so true like i often talk about like finding pockets of you know happiness or joy or stillness in your day it's interesting that you say that because throughout this period i've really had to shift my mindset a lot of the time and just be like you know if i'm getting too frustrated or anxious or anything like that i'm like hang on no like switch to gratitude and then also let's just go and find like a little pocket of joy in the day and it might be just going to the botanical gardens with my daughter and watching the trees or all those things. But there's so many beautiful moments in our everyday that we can find joy in. So I really love that that take. That's so nice. And, I mean, we overlook them in day-to-day life, right, because we're in such a rush to, you know, there's so much we we prioritise being busy and successful and this, that and the other and kind of in a way a lot of that was – taken away from us um, because, you know, work stall and everything slowed down. And so, if, you know, if there is one good thing to come out of this, it's certainly that we've been given an opportunity to find those joys again, I suppose, and those in those slower moments. To be honest, I think that that's what the universe wanted in all of this was for us to just completely slow down and, and for us to realise that there is so much beauty in simplicity and there's so much I like, I'm definitely finding that just being 
actually has its own way of bringing contentment and joy, whether I think I have always lived such a busy life and a fast-paced life that sometimes you think, you know, just pausing is is quite boring or why would you do that? Or I know my yeah. husband used to always say like, oh, I'll sleep when I'm dead or, you know, that, you know, we get caught up in yeah. those, those silly sayings of like, it's okay yeah. to just go, go, go when really there's actually just, there's so much joy that actually comes from just being, being at home and being in your own kitchen and with your, with your family. It's, it's such a beautiful thing and we often can take it for granted. And so many health benefits. But we don't prioritise rest. You, you know, you're dead right on that. I think culturally we've been kind of taught to think that time is only valuable if it's spent busy doing something, mm-hmm. being productive, whereas certainly in terms of not only kind of creating joy in our lives but also maintaining good health and maintaining a balanced approach to life, you actually need to develop habits around kind of carving out time for, for rest. And that can be really hard to get your head around, I think, because it's not something that typically is celebrated as, as you know, a success or, you know, does that make sense? Yeah, um, no, absolutely. I love where you're going with it. And I, I think it's, it's so true and I'm absolutely guilty of it. And I think it's probably something that this period has taught me is almost being aware more self-aware of what a busy lifestyle is doing and not even to the point, like I don't think I was overly busy prior to this, but for example, like because we've been able to catch up with people this week, you know, I've had a lot of like play dates and stuff with my mum friends Mm. and their babies, which has been beautiful. But what I've realised is how stressful that can actually be just from a point of getting a baby organised, you know, her nap, feeding her, getting her dressed, getting her ready, getting in the car, getting somewhere by a certain time. This week I was like, oh, my goodness, I haven't felt like that in eight or nine weeks because we've just been at home. And even though I'm in a great routine at home and I know exactly when she'll sleep and when she'll wake and when she'll have lunch, I haven't had that pressure of getting anywhere on a certain time. And it just made me realise how much stress we actually – or you know, anxiety I started to feel of like, oh my goodness, it's quarter to 12 and I was meant to be there at 11.30. And I'm like, this is so unnecessary. And exactly what you're saying, it's not good for our health. So I think, you know, being more aware of that now is such a positive as well of like, okay, I don't always need to overcommit myself or say yes to everything. Having slow days is quite rewarding actually. Absolutely. Yeah. I could not agree more. I think we've also realized how much, how we can still be really, really productive in less time and with less stress. You know, everyone's got, a lot of people have been cut down to a four day week or everyone's working from home. And, you know, probably businesses are starting to see that, oh, you know, people can actually be productive working from home. Maybe they don't need to be coming into the office into a stressful environment. You know, I do think we're possibly going to see a work culture shift that allows people, well, this is me being very optimistic, allows people more time to kind of prioritise the other things. Um, So, I think, look, fingers crossed, fingers crossed. Yeah, I hope so. (laughs) So, I would (laughs) love to know um, how you have personally been prioritising your health at the moment. It's a good question and it's a really hard question because for the first few weeks of being in isolation, I don't think I did a very good job of it at all. Um, I think everyone was scrambling. It was new. It was scary. And I came back to the same piece of advice I always give to clients, which is there's no way around it other than kind of 
creating a routine and creating structure, and that includes creating time and carving out time for health. And in this, I suppose in this instance, I'm very much, I'm particularly talking about mental health because I think that was something that a lot of people felt like they really took a hit to. I certainly, certainly did. So, for me, it was very much about going, okay, well, how do I make sure that I'm still getting all the things I need to be well in a day-to-day life that looks completely different to what I'm used to? So, firstly, that meant actually scheduling in my exercise time. And once it's scheduled in, prioritizing it as highly as I would prioritize taking a Zoom meeting or taking a call or sitting down to work. Make sure that, yep, that's all that is still, even though it might look different to what it used to, that time is still carved out. I also made sure that I really focused on diet. And look, I mean, I'm a nutritionist and my diet's pretty good most of the time, but I know that if I'm going through a period where mental health is, you know, something I need to be a little bit more aware of or I might not be feeling as good more than ever, diet becomes really, really important. Uh, so, I would focus on that. We, I'm sure that we'll probably talk a bit about that later on, about what makes a good diet for that kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. I'm definitely picking your brain there. <laughs> <laughs> That's my thing, right? Um, and, <laughs> and then again, carving out that time to, as you kind of put it, do nothing. And, you know, whether that doing nothing is taking my dog for another walk or <laughs> one of my other favorite things that I've the kind of, I suppose, like a self-care routine that I've set up in isolation is taking a bath. Uh, we've actually moved house oh, into somewhere that I has a bath that. and it it's, it feels so indulgent, but I go the whole hog. I light the candles and I turn the lights oh goodness, down. The best. I bring I bring a little speaker in. I've got some kind of Zen music playing. I might take a book in with me. And yeah, so I do that. I probably only do that like once a week, but it's kind of taken place. The thing I used to do before isolation and before COVID, I always got a weekly massage. That was like my really indulgent treat um and then all of a sudden i couldn't do that anymore so the bath kind of takes its spot i suppose hey and that's the only way to have a bath isn't it like going the full (laughs) full extent 100 percent, go all in (laughs) yeah definitely i know i actually really miss having a bath it's something that i'm so excited to have again and we were at my sister-in-law's on the weekend for dinner and we gave my daughter a bath at their house and (laughs) oh my goodness she was losing it it was the best thing I think I've ever seen I felt like oh really Disneyland oh it was so cute yeah she's eight months (laughs) that is so cute you know going onto her belly and sitting herself up and she was just like what is this this is the best what is this magic this is (laughs) literally and when you said that I was like oh it's so funny how much joy a bath can bring well as an adult like you know just that really zened out relaxing space but then as a kid it's like a wonderland of just like this is the coolest thing ever so yeah I think that that's such a beautiful beautiful thing to do to fill up that cup and to give that bit of self-love back to yourself especially yeah, yeah times like these cup of herbal a mug of herbal tea waiting for you that kind of thing like you've got to yeah absolutely well talking about herbs i would love to know you do refer to yourself as herb nerd which i love so much yeah. and i'd love to give the um listeners a bit of an insight into kind of where this came from and and how you started calling yourself the herb nerd well Actually, it's a really good question. It actually wasn't me that started calling myself Herb Nerd. It was a nickname given to me. You probably know Lola, Lola Berry. Oh, I love Lola. Yeah, she was yeah, on the show a few weeks ago. Lola's is <laughs> the best. So, I studied in Melbourne. I did my degree down in Melbourne and I was living there. So, Lola and I became friends and we were going for a walk one one weekend 
and she gave me that nickname partly because so I'm a nutritionist and I'm also a naturopath and throughout my naturopathy degree which is when I kind of uh, met Lola and we became friends I was super into the traditional uses of herbs and so not only kind of in a clinical sense but also like Lola would come over or other friends would come over as well and they'd see I'd always have like my herb garden growing but alongside the parsley and the thyme and the culinary herbs I'd have lemon balm which I'd chop up and turn into kind of a relaxing sleep tea and I'd be growing I can't even think what else a calendula that I would dry and turn into skin oils and skin creams so I was kind of like this at that point I was probably a bit of a like crazy witch doctor vibe going on so that's where the name comes from yeah. <laughs> I love it. Well, it's stuck and it's working for you. I love it. It's so good. So, I guess a little bit about your background. How did you kind of get into nutrition in the first place? It, it's just my entire life kind of kind of led mm. me toward it. Like I grew up on a farm in Western Australia, middle of nowhere, very very small country town. And so I I guess I grew up with a very kind of keen understanding of where our food comes from. I also had a mum who I still have a mum who is the most incredible cook in the world and and back then it was and out on the country it wasn't like whole food cooking it was just (laughs) cooking like these were the ingredients that were available and she was this amazing cook and we were kind of naturally just eating things that were whole foods and really good for us and a really varied diet and then her dad my my grand my pop he had the most amazing herb and veggie garden in the world and I just had these memories as a kid running around with my brother and my sister and it felt like a magical little wonderland like this totally overgrown garden and then I'd go home and try and replicate it and so that's where my love of growing my own herbs and growing my own food came from and then I think it just complemented my growing interest in cooking and food that I got from my mum and so by the time I grew up and was starting to consider health and fitness for myself it all just kind of came together I suppose and it just made sense I was like of course that's what I have to study that's what I have to pursue. Yeah I love that you know, your upbringing has been such a natural progression into what you're doing now. I find that like people either go the opposite where they go like, you know, completely different to the way they're brought up or, you know, they do really stick to it. So that's so beautiful that you've really been able to kind of stay true to those, I guess, those values and that beautiful lifestyle that your parents, you know, helped you grow up with. So is your mum still a whiz in the kitchen? Like, does she get in the kitchen? Uh, She is incredible. So all my, my family's in Western Australia. And so whenever I go back there, she's like such a feeder mum like she will have amazing meals set up for every meal and it is so good she's kind of she's only getting better and better and better like she runs rings around me in the kitchen I like to think I'm a good cook I I am nothing on Lexi like let's That is so good. There is nothing better than like a good, a good cook to go home to. My mother-in-law is such a good cook. And every time she comes here or we go to hers, there's just like so much food and our fridge is full. And I'm like, oh, this actually just brings me so much happiness. Like I just love opening the fridge and just having really good, wholesome food to be like snacking on all day long. There's nothing better, I think. So it's so good. The only thing, the only place where I probably don't need it is like when I'm packing up to come back to Sydney and I leave Perth, bless my mum. She's like, darling, do you want to take some food with you? And she'll come in with like a dozen Tupperware containers of, you know, like 
not just like things that you can transport, like little cakes and whatnot, but there'll be like soups and stews and like cooked chicken and salad. And I'm like, mum, I can't take these on a plane across the country. Like, <laughs> This is not practical. I love it. I love your enthusiasm, but um, I can't hoard this much food back to the, back to Sydney. Oh, I love it. God bless her. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> She's so the like best. To- Yeah, I could imagine she sounds like it. Um, I would love to get some of your top tips. So for obviously we're coming into the cooler months of the year. I know definitely in Melbourne it's like icy cold in the mornings already. Um, So I'd love to get kind of some of your top tips for surviving the cooler months when it does come to food. So it's really interesting. So obviously nutrition does play a huge role in in immunity. And that's kind of what we're talking mostly about when we're talking about, you know, surviving winter, I suppose, is how do we ward off as much as possible those niggling colds and flus that come with the season. And the truth is my advice is the same, whether it's summer or winter. The difference is it just becomes much, much more important in in winter because there is so much more opportunity to catch one of these bugs because we spend so much more time indoors. So year round, my advice for eating for immunity is the same. It's just that now it's really important we get it right. And so what it comes down to by and large is eating a varied, I'm not going to say plant based because you don't have to eat a vegan diet, but a really plant heavy diet. And the reason for that is A, you're going to get plenty of the vitamin C, the zinc, the uh, vitamin C and the bioflavonoids mostly that you need for good immunity. Uh, You're also going to get plenty of fiber. And I harp on and on and on about fiber because of the role it plays with the in uh, maintaining a healthy microbiome, which is your gut bacteria. And the fact that we are now, it's very now very, very clear though, and when it comes to immunity, the gut microbiome biome and the, or the microbiota, the bacteria, they're basically training the immune system. They talk, speak very closely with the immune system and they keep it healthy and keeping it running as it should. And what these gut bacteria eat is fiber. So kind of once upon a time when we talked about fiber, people just thought about digestion and having a regular bowel movement and that yeah. kind of stuff. That's It's so much more than that. And the kind of the research we've come across in the last 10, 15 years has highlighted the importance of fiber for not only for gut health, also for mental health, for maintaining a healthy weight, but in terms of what you and I are talking about, immunity as well. And there's not one type of fiber that you should take. You don't go out and kind of find one single fiber supplement. The key here really is variety, Um, lots and lots and lots. So my piece of advice is eat a rainbow of foods, Embrace your whole grains, embrace your legumes. You'll get not only that fiber, but you'll naturally get the level of vitamin C you need, the plant-based bioflavonoids. Zinc, you know, you do kind of get in some, in nuts and seeds and whatnot. If you eat uh, meat, you'll still be getting plenty there. And so just by eating that balanced diet, but making it consistent, you're going to get everything you need to kind of keep your body well. We'll be right back after this healthy break. Guys, I'm so excited to tell you about my new favorite pantry staples. Introducing New Life, life-changing coconut products that provide the perfect healthy alternative for those with allergies or who, like me, want to add more plant-based ingredients into their cooking. If you've been following my Instagram stories, you'll know I've been loving using New Life's products in my stir-fries and fuss-free dinners. New Life have almost every pantry staple you want or need from their delicious range of plant-based cocoa amino sources 
which are soy, gluten, dairy, and nut-free, making them the perfect solution to jazz up your cooking. To the world's freshest virgin coconut oil, which is bottled within one hour of being opened in the pristine Solomon Islands. What's even more amazing, though, is that New Life's range of fair trade and mostly organic coconut-based products are helping to change lives by giving 100% of profits towards empowering women to have their own sustainable businesses in the remote coastal villages in the Solomon Islands. So not only are New Life's products a delicious and healthy alternative to add to your cooking, but you really will be making a difference to people's lives when you purchase them. You can find New Life products at your local independent grocer's health food store or by purchasing them online at newlife.com.au. And as a Healthy Hustler listener, they have kindly offered you a 15% discount by using the code HUSTLERS15 at the checkout. All you need to do is head to newlife.com.au or simply click the link in the show notes and get your hands on some of their delicious, life-changing coconut products today. In terms of fibre, like for anyone who's maybe not fully aware of what foods they can find fibre, what are some of the kind of richest sources of fibre in everyday food? So let's talk specifically about prebiotic fiber if that's all right because i think that's where there's a lot of interest with the uh the interaction with the gut bacteria so if you're listening and you've not heard the term prebiotic before prebiotic just means that it's the type of fiber that our gut bacteria uses food so it goes through our digestive system we don't absorb it and so all the good bacteria get to gobble it up and it makes them healthier and it makes them stronger and it makes them work harder for us so the foods that contain lots of that type of fiber are beans and lentils. So things like chickpeas, kidney beans, green and brown lentils. Um, We've got whole grains like pearl barley and oats in particular. They're both uh, really high in something called resistant starch, which is is another type of prebiotic. Then we've got the foods that contain a lot of uh, what we call fructo-oligosaccharides, which are another type of prebiotics. And there it's like apples, onion, garlic, uh, leek, Jerusalem artichoke. So, they're kind of some of the strong, the, the kind of sources that come to mind. Um, mm-hmm. But I think the key takeaway is, yes, eat loads of those, but eat them alongside as much variety as possible. And so, when it comes to, I guess, your food, do you often eat in season, like what's available or, you know, how do you approach your veggies? I wish I could say that I did. Sometimes it's so tricky to know what's in season or what's not just because in our supermarkets we kind of provided everything all the time. <laughs> not year round. Um, yeah. But I think if, you, if you're if kind of ever questioning that kind of thing, if you opt toward buying from a farmer's market or buying, buying from a local market or buying from an organic store, chances are you're going to be, your, your only options will be what's seasonal. Um, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So, it's kind of a bit hit and miss, to be honest. Um, I wish I yeah. could say yes, but sometimes it's whatever's in front of me. What's, a, what's available? No, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because the more, I guess, I've been a little bit more aware of eating seasonal produce, I've got such a bigger variety now of what I actually eat, whether I think I used to just be like, yep, same kind of three veggies all the time. Yeah, so I was just interested to get your take on it now because I know sometimes we get a little bit scared of cooking with 
new veggies or new ingredients as well. And I love to just have a bit of fun with it and kind of see what flavors you can get from different vegetables. And we now eat things that I kind of never thought that I would or never had kind of prioritized as a vegetable. I think you make a really good point that we stick to what we know, don't we? But there's so much, like if there's one, like there's so much reason to go out and experiment with food and experiment with different veggies and different other, you know, different grains, different legumes. And some recent, a recent piece of research that was released actually found, it stated very clearly that the number one indicator of the diversity of bacteria in our gut, so the kind of the different species of healthy bacteria in our gut, the biggest indicator of that is the variety of different plants we eat. Um, It sounds like such a simple piece of advice, but if you think about it, it kind of makes sense because if we've got thousands and thousands and thousands of different species of bacteria, right, tens of trillions of bacteria all up, but thousands of different species, all of them are going to have, are going to prefer slightly different foods. They're going to have slightly different fibres and prebiotics that they prefer to eat. So, the only way to kind of maintain all of them is to have as varied diet. So, you're feeding as many of them as possible. So, it kind of makes sense that um, to keep a variety alive, you have to have a varied diet. Yeah. Yeah, no, I love that. So, I personally feel like, and I'm sure a lot of people will agree with me, but you've really mastered the art of inspiring people to live healthier lives, but a lot of it is evidence-based, which I love. So I'd kind of love to know from a science perspective, what would you say are the top three things that people could do today or start injecting into their life tomorrow to kind of have better health and vitality? This is the number one, and we all need to do this. We need to stop treating vegetables like a side dish. I think whether you're vegan or whether you eat um, meat and animal products is fine. But I think in general, we always think of salads as like a side salad and we need to let go of that. 5% of Aussies are getting enough fruit and veggies in their diet. It's time we kind of realize that they need to make up the bulk of our plate and they don't have to be boring. There are so many exciting, delicious ways to cook plant-based foods. And so, if there's one piece of, one of these three pieces of advice, stop thinking of veggies as a side dish, make them the hero of your plate um, and make them delicious so that you want to eat them. Oh, I love that so much. You can still have your meat if you want. Like I'm not saying this is not about, and most of the benefits of a plant-based diet don't actually come from removing the animal products. It's from the injection of more of the good stuff, more of the plants. Have a plate that's just brimming with colour. That's where we need to start. Yeah, it's what we need to start doing with food. And the other, probably number two is get back into beans and legumes in a big, big way. They kind of went off the radar a bit because of, paleo and keto and everything like that All the but millions of diets under the sun <laughs> exactly but they're so packed with fiber they're so packed with protein and they kind of they serve as a serving of vegetables as well so uh, and obviously the environmental impact is a lot lower than say animal-based protein foods so if, i think more and more people start need to start finding ways to cook cook with those i think people are a bit scared of them people think of legumes Absolutely. as like a bit like, oh, yeah. yuck, that's what I feel like people think. And I know definitely like before, like I'm probably, I could say probably 80% plant-based. Um, we don't really eat much meat now. And that's just, you know, a personal environmental choice. And, you know, if I was to go to someone's house for dinner or I feel like I need meat, I'll obviously eat it and just be conscious of where I'm buying it from. But it's actually incredible how many 
one easy but two delicious plant-based meals and options and recipes there are now like there are so many incredible people on Instagram you know promoting and sharing you know really quite easy plant-based meals that are just so tasty and they're really you know packed with so much goodness and like my husband's basically fully plant-based now and I never in my life would have thought that that would happen like we've been together for nearly 10 years and Oh my goodness, if I had have said this to him. Is like, that your good, in, good influence? Ago, a little bit, I think. Like he's Take the credit, Madeline. Very, just take oh, yeah, credit. I know. I should you know, <laughs> totally make. No, well, I, he's very, he's very open minded and he's very, very health conscious. So he's tried a lot of different things, I guess, throughout, throughout his time. But it actually started when a few years ago when we went overseas and I um, just never really would eat meat in other countries. I just was always quite conscious of how it was kept and stuff like that. So we were boarding a plane. I think we were going to the Philippines actually and I just said to him, now I'm just putting it out there right now, like I'm not going to eat meat. I'm happy to eat some seafood but, you know, I'll probably be eating mainly vegetables on this trip. And he was like, are you serious? And, and he's like, well, we're not sharing any dishes. And then it was only <laughs> when we got there and he kind of started to be like, oh, I kind of understand why you're doing this. And so we actually didn't eat. We were away for three weeks and we didn't eat any meat. And I think he just felt amazing. And, yeah, he yeah. honestly just says he's never felt better in his life and he really struggles to eat meat now. And prior to that, it was probably like four or five nights a week that he was eating like definitely meat heavy dishes. Um, So that's been really nice to see that. I'm probably the opposite. I don't thrive. I don't think as much energy wise. Um, Like I have to really prioritize my iron levels and really focus on what I'm eating with a plant-based diet, whether Ryan can kind of, he doesn't have to focus, I guess, as much on what's going in. He can just, he just enjoys it. Especially the iron, you know, you make a really good point, especially with the concern around iron, like it is a lot harder to absorb plant-based iron than it is um, from animal products. And for women, that is such a big consideration, obviously, because they're at a higher risk of iron deficiency. Yeah, that's always been my struggle is just being, yeah, being iron deficient and obviously then being pregnant. When I fell pregnant, we were, I was probably 95% plant-based. And so I went into my pregnancy very low iron and obviously you naturally a lot of women actually get iron deficient during pregnancy. So, yeah, since it's been a lot harder for me to kind of build back up to going fully plant, but I I love it and it's just it's a way I prefer to eat. So I just make sure I prioritize getting iron in as many ways and forms as I can so that I can eat that way. I don't think there is a one size fits all diet by any means no. and you, yeah. you've worked out and that's a hugely important piece of advice to take away as well is there are so many opinions out there. There are so many opinions floating around the internet, so much contradictory information that, yeah, it's great that we've got the internet as this resource to be able to get health information, but ultimately pay attention to your own body, find out what works for you and find a, pl- a place that you're happy to sit. Because I, I'm not I'm not plant-based either myself, I should say. I, I eat fish and poultry. I've kind of in recent years prioritised weaning myself off that and eating a more plant-based diet, but still I'm quite happy to have that white meat and that fish. Um, And that's what works for me. You know what I mean? I think everyone needs to find the spot that they're happy medium and accept that there is no one size fits all here. And I think that can be the biggest trap sometimes is that we get so caught up in having to put a label on it or, you know, fit inside this box, you know, like I'm plant-based or I'm vegan or I'm keto instead of just being like, I just eat the way that 
allows my body to perform at its best. And if that means a bit of this, a bit of that. And I think I definitely was guilty at the start of getting caught into that, like, you know, being out at a restaurant and was like, oh no, I can't eat that because that's got meat and we're plant-based at the moment. Instead of just being like, I'm just going to enjoy food. And when I feel like eating it, I will. And when I don't, then I don't have to. Um, I think kind of letting go of that that label or feeling like we have to fit into something is so important. So I'm really, really glad that you touched on that. Oh, no, I just thought you made a really good point. I thought you made a really good point about the fact that when you're sitting at a restaurant and you're consulting a menu and kind of the the anxiety that now comes with healthy eating, kind of that's another big concern and kind of and passion of mine is to, is to kind of try and do what I can to break that down is that what I've noticed in recent years is we've kind of developed this diet culture of constant restriction and and kind of it and uh you know it's and, and there's now this anxiety around food like i can't have gluten i can't have dairy i can't have soy i can't have fodmaps i can't have this that and the other and of course there is a time and a place for taking certain foods out of your diet that's goes without saying but i think an issue that i kind of have with the way that we talk about health and nutrition more generally is that we've kind of stuck in this mindset of looking for the next bad guy to pull out of our diet and we're constantly pulling off mm-hmm. oh, can't have you know I can't have these different groups of foods a lot of the time completely unnecessarily um, you know people will kind of self-diagnose intolerances that aren't there although a well-meaning friend or family member will give them a piece of advice on what worked for them in terms of diet and they'll take it on board without really questioning it and we've developed this culture, this diet culture of restriction where it's more and more and more and more and more bad guys that we're taking out of our diet. And what you're actually doing unwittingly there is decreasing the variety in your diet and the diversity. And this is a really big message of mine is, you know, I just, we talked before about the importance of diversity in your diet. But the frustrating thing is diet culture at the moment is actually teaching people to do the reverse. It's, you know, what's good for us this week is bad for us next week. You can't possibly Mm -hmm. have carbs. You can't have sugar. You can't have this. You can't have that. And people keep, like, stripping their diet of more and more things until there's actually not that much left. And if there's one kind of key message I'm trying to get out there at the moment is, yep, time and place for pulling certain foods out of your food diet, sure. But by and large, all of us would benefit a whole lot more from stopping to find the next things to take out and instead refocus our efforts on putting more of the nourishing good stuff back in. Yeah, I love that so much. It's so true though as well. We're always, exactly what you said, we're so quick to remove things or see something on Instagram and be like, oh, okay, that's not healthy anymore or that's not a superfood when, you know, we've got all of these beautiful nourishing foods at our fingertips and we're just so lucky in Australia with what we, the variety that we have and the access that we have to food. We should be Um, celebrating it and eating more of it and not less of it. Absolutely. And maybe questioning where we're getting, taking our health advice. You just touched on Instagram yeah. <laughs> uh, briefly. Like, again, it, we're so lucky to live in an age where we have access to technology and the internet and we can find information so easily. But um, we do need to be cautious of where who we're taking it from. And just remember that even the most well-meaning person can post something that's incorrect um, and doesn't have the evidence behind it. And so, actually, in fact, there was a piece of research that came out in March out of a university here in Australia, and they took a look at a snapshot in one particular online message board. They took a, a snapshot of the advice that was being shared and then kind of traced it back to its original source. And they found that 5% 
of it came from a qualified nutrition professional. Oh um, so 95% was just people sharing opinions or things they'd overheard or bits and pieces. And um, again, you know, it's not necessarily, I don't think anyone w- would ever deliberately share false information, but if only one in 20 pieces out there is coming from someone who's done the study and done the work and kind of is really knows what they're talking about, where are the other 19 out of the 20 coming from? (laughs) Um, (laughs) What is it based on? Um, And should you be taking it on board and taking it as seriously as you would a piece of advice given to you in a one-on-one consultation with your own nutritionist or naturopath or dietitian or whatever it may be? Probably not. No, absolutely. And I think that's why I think those services are so important. Like I see my nutritionist all the time and sometimes people are like, oh, you know, you're so healthy. Why do you see a nutritionist? I'm like, well, I'm not qualified in the space. Like she knows all the research. She can, you know, I can message her and be like, hey, what should I do here? Or is this a good option? Or I think it's so important to always feel empowered by our choices rather than kind of like, yeah, taking the the latest quick fix or the, you know, information of someone who is unqualified on something like social media. But something I actually loved talking about social media, something you shared on your Instagram was the world of wellness has become messy, loud and confusing. And in a rush to try out the latest fad diet or this week's quick fix, we're forgetting the basics of healthy eating. And I loved reading that and I thought it was some really valuable information. I'd, I'd love to kind of find out from your point of view, like where should we be focusing our time and attention and in your eyes, what is the basics? Yeah, good question. I mean, look, I think we've probably touched on a lot of it so far in terms of getting em- embracing again those plant-based foods um, that naturally provide us all the micronutrients, whether it's the vitamin C, B, your magnesium, all of those things, as well as really, really getting back onto a really fibre-rich diet. And the reason I say that is just... I think people have become, and understandably so, people are really feel healthier. People know that to feel healthier, people know that diet is linked to their well-being, but there's so much contradictory information and new fads being kind of fed to them that they often don't know what to do. And so I kind of, bef- my advice often is just to go back to basics, go back to you know, not necessarily the food pyramid, but something very close to that in uh, are you getting your six serves of veggies a day? Are you getting this many serves of whole grains, this many serves of legumes? And more often than not, they actually say, oh, no. And so people are scouring and looking for the next fad diet, but they haven't actually kind of, I think before you try and change anything too radical, we need to make sure that we're starting from a really solid, really solid place. And so I think that's my advice to most people is before we rush into the next one, Let's just go back to basics and kind of make sure that we're getting that diversity of plants, making sure that we're getting them at every single meal, making sure that um, the quality of our animal products, if we are eating them, is really good. I like that you touched on that is like knowing the quality of where stuff's coming from, like, you know, where are your eggs coming from? Where is your meat coming from? Being really aware of that, I think is so, so important. And it's something that in a world where we are so busy or society where we're so busy these days, we often forget to just take that time and to be more mindful of where our produce is actually coming from. And, you know, with everything that's happening right now, like being able to support our local Aussie farmers and is so important. It's more important than ever, really. So to be able to just have that impact as well of really knowing that you're giving back to the people that are 
doing the hard yards and growing that food is is really important, I think. People, I think they underestimate what the basics are going to do for them. Like all of the, you know, like you said, kind of support our local farmers. We've got access to such good produce. Like don't underestimate the the profound change that even the basics can have on your health. A lot of the work I do, especially is with mental health and, you know, the kind of research that we're seeing being done and kind of the results I get both with myself as well as clients in improving mental health outcomes. That's a big part of what I do with my work. Just from moving them onto a Mediterranean-style diet is absolutely so, so noticeable. Um, and I think that, you know, the Mediterranean diet's been around for forever. It's not it's not the newest version of keto. It's not a juice cleanse. It's not anything confusing like that. It's really, really basic. But they've actually shown in the studies now that it can – it's reduced depression, reduce anxiety, improve mental health. So I kind of like I'm really passionate about that, getting out that message of do what we all know we're meant to be doing, get the basics right, but do it regularly and mo- like health will soar. Um, we don't necessarily need to be looking for the next quick fix. Yeah, I love that. And I guess from more of a holistic point of view, would you what would you incorporate in those basics? Like would rest and sleep obviously be quite a high priority because I think there are sometimes things that we often forget to kind of look at the the full circle approach of our health. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, rest is a big one. Uh, like I said, I think prioritizing time to make sure you do it is a really clever approach because otherwise we don't value it enough. We kind of go, oh, yeah, I've, I've got this next thing to do. I'll just make sure I'll get this job done. I'll be able to rest then as opposed to carving out time to making sure that you're kind of honoring your need for rest each day. I think the other one is movement, exercise, obviously. And again, these things, they're the first things to get cut off your day-to-day to-do list um, if you're busy. So I think that it's a real mindset change of actually carving out time for rest, carving out time for exercise, making sure that you set aside your eight hours for sleep as well as getting your diet right and carving out time to make sure that you connect with loved ones. We can't underestimate how important that sense of community and connection is to our well-being and I think that we're probably seeing that highlighted again over the past you know eight nine weeks when it's been taken away from us oh I love all of that so much I could honestly talk to you all day I love getting into the the health side of things so Therese thank you so much for your time I greatly appreciate it and all your knowledge so thank you for being a guest thanks for having me Madeline and, and have a great day you too thank you Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please hit the subscribe button and leave a five-star review. For any products mentioned in today's show, please check the show notes below and hit the direct links. If you'd like to suggest a future guest, please follow at The Healthy Hustlers on Instagram and send through a direct message. Until next week, don't forget to invest in you.